Okay, just hit record there. Um, yeah, it's always like, what's the first question? That's, that's the big one. Um, <laughs> okay. All right, thanks for joining us, Latifa. Stoked to have a conversation with you and uh, get, get your sense on this, but everything that's going on, we're gonna be talking about wild plants and herbs, how people can build their immune system, both in, in the short term, but also see the opportunity uh, that's available to us to connect with the plants in our local ecosystem. And uh, yeah, excited to get, get diving in. So maybe, maybe to start it off, uh, what do you feel is most important for people right now to kind of think about, to be aware of, or maybe make changes towards? You know, a lot of people are seeing this as an opportunity mm -hmm. um, to make big changes in their life and to maybe rethink how they yeah. uh, have relationships with nature in particular. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing and what has been really helpful for me because like everyone else I'm also experiencing all these changes and I'm personally affected. Um, the first thing for me is to look into nature and get a sense of reassurance. So I know many of us are experiencing a lot of change, some is positive, some is negative, some is mixed and at the end of the day there's so much uncertainty when it comes to society, when it comes to health, when it comes to uh, what's going to happen next week, tomorrow, we don't know, you know, what the next months, what lies ahead. But what we do can always count on every day is that the sun is rising, spring is coming, and those beautiful plants are going to start sprouting and growing, regardless of what we humans do. That's just what happens. And so there is certainty and there is stability that we depend on and our very lives depend on that. And I think that's something to remember because the more connected we are to that certainty, the less we need to feel destabilized by the uncertainty of everything else around us. So I think that's number one. It's just that we are, it's not so scary at all, actually. You know, thank goodness the sun still rises. Thank goodness the rain is falling. That would be a lot more worse disaster <laughs> if we had to contend with the loss of, of that. So gratitude, Absolutely. huge gratitude for that. And I think the other piece is, you know, when we're taught, you mentioned people are thinking about big changes. I like to think of everything that's happening. One, one idea that I like to think about is this is like a, a big collective rest. If you are lucky enough to be resting, some of us are also busy too, which is good. But there's a big collective rest for many of us. And it, you know, what are the broader um, metaphors we can look at when we think about collective rest? And I like this idea of just coming back to the roots of what health really is and it isn't about waiting until things are you're in the danger zone before you start doing anything it's about prioritizing what's really important and what perhaps society should have been prioritizing for a long time and has maybe we've replaced that with other priorities but at the end of the day our health is the most valuable thing we have really yeah. really that's our life you know no, livelihood and I know majority of the people that, uh, that this virus is a real concern for are people that are kind of immune compromised or have some sort of pre-existing medical condition. I, I know, I'm not sure exactly what the percentages are, but 
it's pretty high, the number of deaths so far, the majority, you know, definitely not all, but the majority, mm. those that have died that have been most susceptible to the, this virus going around are ones with pre-existing medical conditions. Right, exactly, exactly. And people who are asking me in, as a, for individual health support are typically those people who, yeah, maybe have a respiratory condition or concerned that that might be exacerbated. So it's a time to reflect and say, where are the weaknesses in my life? What's missing and what can I bring in to support myself? I mean, we're not immortal, but we can take care and have a good quality of life as long as possible. And it's the foundational things, right? It's good food, good clean water, which is having a safe, uh, healthy, clean environment is all connected to that. Um, getting lots of sleep. So how many people are sleep deprived because of work and stress and all the activities we cram into our lives to try and be productive. But so more and more research is coming out how vital sleep is as a restorative process to heal our bodies and our brains and for our mood, for our emotional state, for our physical repair, for every aspect, our immunity, every aspect is affected by sleep. We cannot get away with not sleeping. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, those foundational community as well is really important for health. I know many of us are not able to be in physical contact with as many people, but having, you know, those kind of strong relationships, supports and building a, a genuine sense of community is really important for really not only reducing stress, but, you know, friendships bring healthy hormones into our body right that are important yeah. for supporting us so and then herbs for me herbal medicine comes into that and, and i also see wild plants as part of that broader community uh, because they are living beings and uh, i think they have a lot more to offer us than um, we realize <laughs> yeah no for sure i mean you know you're kind of opening sentiment of of looking to nature for that certainty that the sun is rising and it's setting and, and it's still raining and spring is on the way it's it's getting outside and yes and the pine trees are still there and you know like there's there's the birch out my window and yeah 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 absolutely they're not going anywhere I, I saw someone posting, I thought that was quite funny. I think it was the nursery. Yeah, plants do not transmit viral infections to humans, so you don't have to worry. <laughs> you can grow as many plants as you want. <laughs> yeah, if you can hug no one else, just hug a tree. Right, <laughs> Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So yeah. Have you, you've been getting out into nature, I, I assume, yourself or in, in this yeah. time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, regular walks, especially now that all the gym facilities and things are closed, that's a huge part of my mental health regime and disconnecting with the plants. Um, I've been doing more online stuff, like a lot of folks and videos, and, and that helps to that helps me to build my relationship just before I do anything, actually just being present with the plants and, and getting a, an intuitive emotional connection with them before I do any work. So that's been really nice. You know, I try and remind other people what can be helpful, but it's also a reminder for myself. So everything is interconnected. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, so you, you mentioned you've had a lot of people reach out to you. I mean, you are a medical herbalist. You've been teaching wild plant walks for years. Um, what, what are some of the recommendations you're making? And maybe we can kind of break it down, you know, for, for everyone in general. And absolutely, mm -hmm. that nature connection is, is the foundation. Anyone wanting 
in looking to working with plant medicine, I know there's that wonderful saying, it's, it's about mushrooms, but it certainly relates to all kind of natural medicines, you know, that they work in, they can work in two ways. You know, one is through their, their chemistry, their actions, uh, you know, the phytochemistry in terms of helping build the resilience in our body, healing us. And then uh, that other one is literally that the connection to the plants through getting outside. So with that as our foundation, uh, what are you recommending for people, you know, generally for, uh, you know, health, resilience, you know, year round, but most particularly in this time, this day and age, mm -hmm. what a lot of people are facing, you know, fear of a virus out there. And like you say, mm -hmm. uh, there's definitely a lot of folks that maybe have those pre-existing uh, conditions or, you know, immune compromise, that kind of thing. Let's, let's dive in. Mm -hmm. So step one, the easiest thing is just to be outside. So getting that fresh air, getting that movement. Um, when you're starting to build your relationship plants, if you're totally new, start observing. Okay, and I like to use the five senses. So you start with your visual senses, just observing. Um, you know, when people first get into plant medicines, they see, a, or, or just not just medicines, but identifying plants, they see a wall of green. Uh, you know, there's just a curtain of green here and there. And then you start to pick that apart and see the individuals. So that starts with observation. Um, so you can start noticing right now, um, the willows are flowering. So people don't realize that maybe a pussy willows, that's a flower. Um, so already some plants are flowering. So look for flowers, look for buds, look for branches, look for leaves on the plants. That's all really uh, important stuff. Sorry, I'm getting distracted here. All good, all good. <laughs> um, so start with the observation and then you can, you can add on other layers. So sound. Do you hear the wind rustling through? Can the, are the branches creaking? Are the leaves rustling at that time of the year? And then you can bring in smell. Uh, I, I love to lead these kind of sensorial uh, meditations. So but you can easily, you know, do them yourself, just following your, your, each of the five senses. So you can smell, are there any odors coming from the plant? You can get closer, you can crush the leaves, you can approach the bark, put your nose up to the bark of the tree and just take a deep breath. And when you're smelling, you can think about, is this, do I like the smell? Do I not like the smell? Does this, how does the smell make me feel? Do I have any memories, thoughts? And these are ways that those chemicals are communicating with our bodies, right? So we, we reduce things down and, and we say it's chemical, but well, we're all chemicals. And, and you can also reduce human beings down to just mere chemicals, but we're also very complex and we have complex relationships with each other. And I think that same thing applies to plants. So let those chemicals infuse your mind and your thoughts and your emotions. That, that's a communication that's happening. And then we can go further. I mean, you can taste a plant, um, trees. I would say any tree in Calgary, you can taste a little bit. I wouldn't worry about any of them being that. There's nothing that poisonous anyways, but you know, just taking a little bud, putting it or crushing it or a piece of bark, sticking it on your tongue and, and feeling how that tastes. Some will be bitter, some will be astringent, meaning drying, some will be aromatic. And how does that, you know, feel? So that's that first just connection and relationship building mm -hmm. on that first layer. Um, and then you can really, you know, go from there. I mean, 
really specifically, I've been promoting the conifer trees. I've been promoting for years now. I've been promoting, waiting for the apocalypse. I sometimes joke, this is what you'll do when the apocalypse come. And then some apocalypse-like event happens. I'm like, well, there you go. We've been preparing for years for this, right? (laughs) So I've been really promoting the conifers. All the conifers are so medicinal. And my favorites are the spruces because white and the blue spruce are so abundant in Calgary. Yeah. I see them truly as like guardians, sentinels that I see towering above the city and they're like, we're here, our medicine is here, we're, we're here to support you. And um, so, you know, those um, herbs have a long tradition of use for respiratory infections, coughs and colds, flus, you know, boosting the immune system and so forth. So everything that we need right now is already there. And I love that idea that everything we need is already available. Yeah. So connecting to that abundance. So if the grocery store runs out of something, well, you can't email, you know, within limits, right? I mean, yeah. let's not go all the way there. But if you're running out of your favorite supplement or vitamin or, or you know, suddenly the light seller is sold out of your favorite thing and you've got nothing else, there's at least something still there available for everyone that never, ever goes away, no matter what day of whether it's midnight or six in the morning or whether it's Christmas Eve, it doesn't matter. You can find these medicines. No, it's true. I I bet you on every single street in Calgary, there is a conifer, right? A spruce or a pine, you know, some variation of that. And like you say, any time of year. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so the gap is, is our awareness, right? Yes. Of course. And, and, and yeah. you've been working on for, for years uh, to kind of bridge that gap so people mm-hmm. know what's around mm-hmm. them. And I, I love that sentiment, you know, like that, that becomes your community, you know, like these garden guardians, these sentinels to know that, you know, spruce and pine are, are always nearby. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're, you know, they're easy to identify. So the next step is just learning basic identification. I've been doing short little videos. There's so much information out there. Um, con- you know, we don't have a huge diversity of trees in Alberta. It's a unique climate. So it's quite easy to get into, I think even the government has free tree ID resources out there. So very easy to, a little bit of effort and you've got, you figured it out. So you know they're safe. You don't have to worry about them being poisonous. We don't have any big yew trees that would be a poisonous type of conifer here in Alberta. There are yew shrubs. So I will say, if you come across a yew shrub, (laughs) you don't know what that is, be careful. Those are very poisonous. Um, But otherwise, those are planted only. They're not wild. Uh, the sum around the library downtown. Anyways, <laughs> um, you know they're safe, and then uh, identify them, and then you can explore working with the medicine. And it's as simple as harvesting a branch. And then I like to teach respectful harvesting because trees are living beings, so it doesn't take much effort to to learn some basic pruning techniques cut a branch in a way that ensures the longevity and health of that tree. So, you know, and that's the part of the reciprocity. This tree is giving, supporting my health. I'm going to support their health by harvesting them in a respectful way, not ripping off branches or damaging the bark that can cause long-term infections for the tree. So, yeah. Caring about the tree in that way um, is the next step. And then just, you know, starting with a simple 
tea, boiled tea, just understanding the different plant parts. So with barks, and I like with needles because they are so waxy and hard. I like to, you know, chop them up finely, simmer them for 20 to 30 minutes. That's the minimum you need to do, really. Drink that tea with honey or lemon or, you know, you might want to enhance the flavor because it can be intense if you never done it before and there's so many variations. I make alcohol extracts. I teach people to make syrups because syrups or we can use honey. There's, you know, I know Light Solar has got tons of amazing honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love when we use your honey in, in recipes. So um, throw that out there for folks. Use lovely honey as an extract. Um, and, you know, and honey has, I know, and Malcolm, you know how many health benefits honey has. I'm sure you could list off more than me. Oh, it can be easy. <laughs> yeah, just, just honey itself, right? But I, I love the idea of taking that medicinal food that honey is and then infusing it with plant material. And it's, it's just the best ever. Totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, or then you can extend to mead making. I mean, and then, then you just play with it, you know, you can uh, do so much. And then the other thing you can do with these aromatic plants, um, they, and there's a lot of traditional precedents for this, both in um, indigenous cultures here in North America, but also uh, in other parts of the world of just hanging these aromatic plants in the home, don't have to do anything, but they give off volatile oils as they dry. And those volatile oils, uh, many of them have been researched, but we know they are very antimicrobial. So the tree produces them to prevent infection of bacteria, fung- fungi, and viruses. So uh, I, I found this was great. I was reading um, an ethnobotanical book about the Wasanich. Those are, they are in, um, Vancouver Island, I used to live there. So I remember learning from some, some Wasanich knowledge keepers and that was lovely. But this was in a book I read. They would, and during an epidemic, they would hang boughs of Rocky Mountain juniper in the home. And I thought, well, that's quite relevant right now. Yeah. <laughs> a pandemic. And uh, so just having their, their uh, volatile oils in the home is antimicrobial. You don't even have to ingest them. So if you have uh, concerns about health conditions that you don't know if you there's an interaction or something, and anyone can be allergic to anything. You know, there's no fat, hard and fast rule. I've never had anyone have allergic reactions to conifers internally, but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen, right? Yeah. So it's something to just always be aware take your time on trying new things, but that's a digression. So just hang them in your home uh, and then they can protect you. And, and I also feel there's a protective energy. I, I believe Christmas trees and that tradition comes from honoring the conifer tree, bringing that medicine into the home and honoring these beautiful plants. I believe that that's where that originally came from. It wasn't just for a place to, for Santa to put presents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, we definitely do that in our house. We will go to Kananaskis or somewhere. We'll, we'll get a live tree and like, you say it does it like it gives off its aromatics while it's fresh and then you know we've had that you know in in the living room for a certain amount of time and then uh then we turn it into medicine we make teas we'll do syrups we do all kinds of stuff um i did a whole post on that just after christmas this last time uh the one thing we do want to be you know emphasize is do not use a store-bought you know tree from a christmas tree lot um they're sprayed with fire retardant they're fumigated uh, yeah. not, not a good thing. So we want to use a, a real live wild tree. Not one yeah. 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 Or ho- hopefully there'll be an organic tree farm industry coming up soon that will, we can yeah. trust that. <laughs> 
as more people are using trees as medicine, they'll think, hmm, or, or realize that they don't want those kind of chemicals in their home. You know, I think that's a business opportunity for someone is to get the organic tree farms going. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder though if it, it's kind of like, you know, like the fire retardant, like I wonder if there's some sort of legality. Oh yeah, potentially. They have to like spray it, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah, I haven't looked into that, but yeah. well, anyways. So, um, but that's a good point. But yeah, and then, um, and then the burning too. Sometimes I um, will burn the resin or, you know, I'll make a little bundles. And, you know, a good example is, um, you know, my partner and I have the native plant nursery as well. It's the other project that I have on the go. And, and we had some mold growing in the, in the pots. We've got the plants in the garage right now. Just they're sleeping. It's winter time. And I had, uh, when I was living in uh, Victoria, a huge bough of northern white cedar. So not actually native to the Pacific Northwest, but native to Eastern Canada. It was planted, beautiful, gorgeous tree, huge bough. I mean, we, I, I harvested armloads of branches, not even coming close to affecting the tree. And, and that's a digression from that is to remember that especially urban trees, they lose branches all the time. They're pruned all the time by landscapers, homeowners, and the municipality. Why waste that? Yeah. That's medicine, right? And so I always take the opportunity when I think about sustainable harvesting, well, this has already been offered to me, right? If I don't take this, this is not going to be used. So why as well use it? So I, I made lots and lots of cedar bundles. Right. I made medicine from that. I've dried it. I've used it in so many different applications. And I made these bundles for burning for incense. And I, and I was aware the UBC did some great research on how antimicrobial cedar is. That was specifically a um, Northern um, Western, oh goodness, now I'm confusing all the names. Thuya Placata. Anyways, the West Coast cedar. <laughs> the name Western Red Cedar. Yes, thank you, Western Red Cedar. When I start talking about the two Northern White Cedar and Western Red Cedar, I start to get confused because the name Thuya Occidental, anyways, means Western. Occidentalis means Western in Latin. So right. the names, the, the wires in my brain cross and I'm like, this doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's the thing with Latin names. But so we burned this cedar bundle in the garage and the mold smell went, you know, this, the whole place smelled moldy. We had removed all the mold and material that was moldy, but the, the, the damp smell was there. After burning the, the cedar, the smell was gone. Right, yeah, yeah. Remarkable. And, and they showed in that UBC research, it was that the cedar essential oil they were using, it killed um, a quite a number of human pathogens. I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but including fungal spores. So right. which is quite amazing, right? So cedar's renowned for being very anti-fungal, so. Yeah. And you don't have to, I mean, we don't have, you don't have to just use cedar, but these are just things to think about how we can um, utilize these plants in our environments uh, at very low cost, very simply and easily. So yeah, um, no, protect us. Maybe just to recap, because, you know, as you're talking about this, you know, okay, there's, we have all these plants available uh, and to kind of get it into the air to clear the air that it's either from hanging alive or a dried bundle, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to kind of like disperse into the environment. We can throw that into a pot of water and essentially like steam a room, especially yep. if someone yep. has maybe kind of some respiratory things going on with that steam into the room or even putting one's head over a bowl yep. uh, 
and breathing that in. That's very helpful. Uh, a lot of people have essential oil diffusers. That's another way to kind of diffuse mm -hmm. those aromatics in. And then the last one that you just mentioned would, would be the burning, right? Like a sage yeah. with an incense. And that's also very cleansing. So as, you know, a lot of us spend so much time, you know, indoors during the winter. And those practices are, are great to do throughout the winter to kind of cleanse and purify this internal air. But mm -hmm. especially as people are on this kind of self-isolation you know, it's spring, we want to get out, like, uh, we're, it's early days yet, but I, I honestly believe in many other places the world are already on lockdown, and, and I think it's, it's coming to a neighborhood near you, <laughs> um, where at some point, this is just my sense, they keep suggesting this is what's going to happen, and, and certainly our kind of ability to go and do anything is, is reducing, 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 so I think it's pretty inevitable that it's going to be like, no, you can't leave your house, and uh, it can be really key to kind of purify that air. Absolutely. So those, those yeah. are all great suggestions. Yeah, I mean, if someone uh, isn't well in the home and for whatever reason, but having that boiling conifer tea on the stove ongoing, continuing to clean the air, cleanse the air, and, and for that individual to breathe in those uh, excellent uh, antimicrobial expectorant uh, aromatic essential oils, I mean, the properties... Um, I mean, we know that those are the properties are there and there may no doubt be additional health benefit uh, properties that benefit the, the body and immune system. But that's really nice too, just having that ongoing steam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm reminded of, uh, uh, I did a class, a workshop with um, a couch and elder, Della Rice Sylvester. And I, I just kept thinking of this story. That's why I mentioned that she uh someone in her household had a respiratory condition and she put on mullen tea actually to a simmer and uh was mentioning how they recovered better their cough was improved from just her simmering this mullen tea in the house which is a different yeah. plant and not yet available in alberta i think it is might be starting to be available in some places of canada but not in calgary but yeah <laughs> Not yeah, we've, we've got it at Light Cellar. We've got it in, in dried form. So if anybody needs that. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's actually one of my favorite respiratory herbs. I always put it in my, that's always one of the herbs in my respiratory mix. Like I have an immune herb mix that I make for me and the family uh, and that we all swear by and use. And anytime we feel any itchy throat or anything, we take that. And it's 99% of the time cures what ails you. And Mullen's definitely one of the ingredients in there. So. Yeah, awesome. Cool. So we talked a little bit about mullen. We talked about um, the conifers and kind of the, the broad range of those evergreens that are legally available uh, year round. What are, what are some other herbs folks could turn to right now? Well, um, available now. So we'll talk about spruce, pine. Of course, there are the junipers. I'll touch on juniper just to say juniper like um, like spruce and pine is so expectorant, so helps to bring mucus out of the lungs, antimicrobial, so helps to kill, kill any type of microbes. And um, within that context, I think there's an immune modulating aspect. So helping the body through supporting the immune system. I want to just be very careful with the wording because I know there's a lot of weird misinformation around immune modulating herbs going out there, uh, going around right now. So supporting the immune system to so the immune system functions optimally, in addition to having uh, all around um, physical benefits. So supporting digestion, digestive health is related to immune health, right? And um, everything is connected. 
So digestion is very much affected by these type of herbs, as well as, as uh, for stress and anxiety. So I find particularly, I've been using a lot of spruce for stress and anxiety, um, but traditionally I was looking at some of the Rocky Mountain juniper also being used uh, for reducing stress. So managing our stress is, is a part of that picture. Um, Anyway, so the juniper can be used, and each of those plants has um, their own unique properties, right? So they're, they're overlapping. We can use them for very similar things, coughs and colds and flus, but they also have their own uh, characteristics that are unique to them. So the juniper is good, and I wanted to mention the juniper because some juniper shouldn't be used. Uh, so the savin juniper, so some horticultural junipers uh, shouldn't be used. So if you don't know what species of juniper you have in your yard, that's when you want to ask an expert or um, you might, the trick is some, a lot of ID books don't cover both horticultural and wild species. So that can be sort of the trick is recognizing, okay, this is a planted horticultural species. I need to use a horticultural resource to identify this plant correctly. Right. Yeah. So the species you can use safely are horizontal juniper, uh, Juniperus horizontalis, and Juniperus communis, common juniper, which is the easiest to identify because the needles are not um, like cedar that are flat along the the that are flat along the branch. They are almost needle-like, so it's much easier to identify. And Rocky Mountain juniper can be used as well, and that's easy to identify. It's like a tree rather than being a creeping, spreading juniper. So just be aware if you have a creeping, spreading juniper in the yard, there have been um, documented toxicities with salmon juniper in particular, the essential oils being irritant to the gastrointestinal tract and the kidneys. So not deadly poisonous. If you made a mistake, you'll probably be fine, but <laughs> just don't overdo it. Just be careful, use correct identification. So that's why I want to touch on those. Um, and then, you know, larch is around. You can use larch. And I guess another big group uh, to think about, uh, we can talk about uh, cherries, right? So um, cherry medicine, cherry bark is used as a cough suppressant. So this could be potentially something that someone could benefit from. Um, cherries can be tricky to identify in the winter if you're not familiar uh, with cherries. This is where you want to look at the branching arrangement, whether it's opposite or alternate. It's hard to, I don't want to go bore you with every single detail of it, but if you can identify the cherry, or if you know you have a cherry in your yard, any, any species of prunus, they actually have some cyanide in the bark. And that's actually what you use as the cough suppressant. So you only want to use those for dry coughs, but can be very relevant, right? So coughs can prevent us from having good sleep. They can be persistent. They can irritate the throat, which can cause this cycle of coughing that never goes away because our throat keeps being irritated. It's like a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. um, so especially at the end of an illness, the cherry bark syrup can be really helpful. So you wanna then steep, you can either make an alcohol extract or a syrup extract using the bark of cherry, but you always make a cold extract because otherwise the cyanide, uh, it evaporates at about 25 degrees Celsius or, or right. 27, something like that. So quite a low temperature. So just to keep, you're actually using the cyanide as a, as a cough suppressant. So right. or what was once also called prussic acid. So, uh, so that's interesting. So it's a toxic thing, but it, you know, many people make cherry bark syrup. It's not scary, you know, just a teaspoon of syrup is fine. So just um, something that 
to be aware of. There are scary things in plant medicine, but it's also empowering when you feel safe, when you feel secure, when you have the correct information, you can have these powerful allies to support you. You don't have to be scared. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's not, it's not usually a question of life or death. It might just be a question of a tummy ache or a bit of diarrhea <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, or in this case, effective or not, right? I mean, yeah. boil the cherry bark, okay, you know, nothing's going to happen. But if you prepare it properly, like you recommended, you know, cold temperature, uh, then you're actually going to get the medicine and it'll be effective. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I like that. I like that way of looking at it. Um, willows are a great ally and poplar. So poplar is pretty iconic and easy to recognize. I mean, a lot of people are doing the balm of Gilead. Um, I already started uh, the end of February. Um, but continuing on in March, people are harvesting buds. Again, being mindful of not over-harvesting, selectively choosing fallen branches and so forth. Um, so that's a topical medicine. But poplars are in the willow family and also have salicylates or um, anti-inflammatory compounds just like willows do. So mm -hmm. any plant in the willow family, and, and birch actually for that matter, can be used as an anti-inflammatory and not similar to aspirin but not the same so they're not blood thinning they're typically more gentle on the stomach but depends on the person um, some people still can have a, their stomach irritated if they have a very sensitive stomach and great for fevers so helping to reduce fevers and just you know when you get the aches and pains you know if you're talking about being sick or having the flu and being achy uh, I, fever is a good thing but that ache can be extremely uh, uncomfortable and painful and rather than immediately going for uh the aspirin or tylenol that might totally dampen down the fever these are not quite as strong so they can give you some relief but will still allow your body to do what it needs to do and, and fever is an important part of fighting illness so we want to respect and honor our body so these plants um we can trust that most of the time they have our be they're, they're complementary to our body's functions rather than fighting our body's functions if that makes yeah sense. for sure totally makes sense so that can be something really nice and i like to add those kind of anti-inflammatory herbs and then you know whatever else is going on whether you have a headache or uh, sore joints and you can take willow regularly and that's quite effective mm -hmm. so that's another shrub that's available right now that's quite easy to find so yeah. Cool. Oh, that's great. So what, uh, you know, kind of sw switching gears, what, uh, what's your hope for society that, that's going to come out of this uh, for the world? Here we are in this kind of big reset and a lot of people are losing jobs, you know, like they're really, I don't know, uh, questioning life and what's valuable and what's important. And yeah, I mean, I think it's an opportunity to reassess how we have been functioning as a society. I mean, does our society need to continue as it's been going to, or is there another way? And what does that other way look like? You know, and I think a lot of that comes down to the economy. Does the economy have to function in this indefinite growth way? Or is there a way to look at the economy in a way that uh, nourishes people, communities, and the environment? So that's a big piece of it. I mean, I think just basic things too, could, like looking at um, making sure that when people are sick, that they're able to take time off. I mean, right. how many times have people had no choice but to go to work? So those basic um, 
I think human rights and needs should be honored. I mean, valuing the fundamentals of health as a society. I mean, don't get me wrong. I appreciate, respect, and value mainstream medicine, but the approach to prevention is almost lacking in most cases, right? And, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll say things are like sleep are valuable, but the, the implementation of that is missing, right? right? So yeah. making sure that people have the resources to get enough sleep, that mothers have resources to get enough sleep and new parents have enough resources in the community. I mean, it's all trickling on and extending outward, you know, this making sure that those fundamentals are there, good quality food, that everyone has access to good quality food, how animals are treated. I mean, I think when we talk about these transmission, viral transmissions coming from animals, I mean, I haven't looked into the research, so I don't want to make any bold claims, but we know animal husbandry isn't, ideal. A lot of animals are kept in crowded um, areas where they don't have good quality lives, they're quite sick. How does that affect the human populations that are eating them? So why don't we uh, raise animals in a more ethical way? So all these things are connected, you know, so. Yeah, I know for sure. I love that. And, and you, you know, you'd mentioned that at the beginning that, you know, our, our probably our biggest asset is, is health, yet kind of the structure of society actually doesn't support health so as we kind of rebuild it you know what might have looked like oh you know this is too much of a cost to society to really support mothers or to maintain and protect natural spaces and, and the trees and the plants and therefore the medicine that they provide you know if we, if we compare to what's going on now and the kind of the economic cost uh yeah hopefully we will reevaluate. <laughs> yeah i mean the, the the value of our wild spaces there's no number that I say can, can really reflect how invaluable those spaces are. And once we, and I, I mean, I appreciate that um, agricultural systems have a value, but, and they're necessary, but there are ways that they can be done in a much more sustainable way that have less of an impact. And when we, when we turn our native prairie, all of our native prairie into um, cropland, then we're losing a diversity of species that we can never, ever get back. Yeah. Ever. I mean, it's just, it's good. It's a, it's a, this is a new change. The soil, the conditions, the life has changed. We can bring some of that back, if you will, but it's not the same. It's new. Yeah. It's different, right? It's an adapt adaptation. So those are resources. I mean, I mean, I, you know, people talk about the Amazon being cut down, but, you know, Nature Conservancy, Conservancy estimates 70% of native prairie has been lost in Canada. That's way faster in the Amazon rainforest. This is a resource right under our noses that is at risk. And now, I mean, not to get too political, but with concerns with parks being closed and privatized, I don't know what's going on. I mean, how many of these are going to be native prairies? That these, we, the medicine, these plants are small. They're not giant trees, but they have powerful medicine. They have yeah. powerful food. I mean, wild food is also part of sovereignty, right? Uh, being self-sufficient and being able to live off the land in a good way means having positive interactions with wild food, growing wild food in our gardens, that wild food that doesn't need supplemental water, that doesn't need fertilizer, that, that is hardy to the regions that it grows. That's food sovereignty, in my opinion, right? Including yeah. those kind of plants in our agenda. So, you know, we can't just bulldoze over those things. That's food, medicine, and, and habitat for the animals that need them. And, and we're, whether we want to think of it or not, are part of a broader ecosystem. Yeah. Our bodies are ecosystems and we are part of an ecosystem. And, and the more we embrace that, the healthier we are. There was a study I, when I was doing my dissertation 
but a fascinating study on um, skin bacteria. I did my dissertation on skin bacteria, believe it or not. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, skin bacteria, this was a, I think it was in Denmark, some Northern European country. They have great, always much, such interesting research coming out of those countries. And they looked at, so eczema, is associated with a lack of diversity in, in skin bacteria. And what they found was they looked at kids who had grown up in different environments and their predisposition to eczema. And they found that one of the, one factor that was significant in reducing eczema and increasing skin bacteria diversity was having lived, growing up in an environment with native plants. Right. Wow. Mm -hmm. Which is quite amazing. Yeah. Really. So, you know, we, we cannot underestimate enough the value of wild plants. And another story I love to tell in my classes, so if you've probably heard this before, if you've done my classes at the Light Cellar or elsewhere, is the story of the, the heads of the hunter-gatherer people in uh, the Rift Valley in Tanzania, one of the last hunter-gatherer populations left, only a couple hundred folks and that are living in this, you know, purely, but I say purely, I think, you know, within, I mean, there are human beings and they get influenced by the rest of the world, but a very fairly traditional uh, hunter-gatherer way of life. Mm -hmm. And um, it was amazing. They, their gut bacteria is 40% more diverse than people in urban areas. And a researcher from, from London, I think his name was Tim Spector, if I remember correctly, University of London, lived with them for three days, lived like them, didn't use hand sanitizer. God forbid anyone says anything like that these days, but didn't use any hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer when he went to the toilet, ate what they ate, lived off the wild food. And in three days, he measured his stool. He took stool samples. In three days, his stool was 20% more diverse wow. in bacteria. Yeah. Right. The microbiome was 20% more diverse, which is just, that's mind blowing. That was yeah. three days. And that's how much wild food affected his gut. And we know now more and more how vital immune health, mood, diabetes, obesity, heart disease are all affected by a healthy microbiome. Yeah. So, you know, the information is out there. For sure. Yeah. So eating wild foods, culturing, fermenting those wild foods as well. I'm, I'm big on that. Using the, our local wild yeast and bacteria. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Good. So folks can connect with you a number of different ways. You want to uh, share how, how people can uh, continue to work with you, reach out with you. Um, you're, you have a website, obviously, and social media. Yep. Yeah. So Latifah's Herbs, um, I don't know, it's pretty easy to spell. I can spell that for you if you want. Latifah's Herbs, L-A-T-I-F-A-S, Herbs, H-E-R-B-H-E-R-B-S, <laughs> dot com. So Latifah's Herbs dot com. I've got Latifah's Herbs on Instagram. That's right. I'm doing IGTV videos right now with plant ID lessons and other stuff. So if you want to see more uh, visually geared uh videos looking at okay this is what a leaf looks like this is what a, a conifer looks like a juniper and so forth whatever i'm doing <laughs> those yeah. videos are there facebook um and then the native plant nursery i have is alcla native plants so a l c l a native plants uh, we have a website it's under construction but you can uh my email address is available on either website or on social media. Uh, Alpha Native Plants also has an Instagram and Facebook as well. So 
uh, reach out to me in any of those ways. Email's the easiest way, but you know, you can call me as well. My phone number is available. So if, you, if you're one of those people who prefers to talk on the phone, you can reach me that way too. So yeah, most of it. <laughs> yeah, love what you're doing in terms of you know online and offline, all the education, all the classes, and now with the uh, the native plants as well. I mean, for those of us that are, you know, going out and uh, exploring the you know the wild plants, you know, we can also bring those into our yards uh, as well here in the city, and, and we need to uh, grow more of those in our our immediate local. Yeah ecosystem so thanks for being a resource for that mm -hmm. yeah yeah we're very happy to do it i, I feel like oh, i've just taken on uh 20, new babies so <laughs> <laughs> yeah amazing <laughs> cool well any uh any parting thoughts uh we've, yeah we've, it's been a great conversation with you anything you want to kind of sign off with well, I just want to say thank you so much, Malcolm, for everything that you do. And the Light Cellar is such an amazing community hub. Beautiful herbs and products that you provide to the community and the support you give to local businesses like myself and others is just so invaluable. Yeah. We're so lucky to have you. So thank you. And uh, I'm looking forward to the day when we can meet in person again. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, wonderful. Thanks again for being on uh, the call here with us. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep connecting online and, and see you in person when all this blows over. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Stay healthy, everyone. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. <laughs>